Welcome to the All Nations Aurora podcast, where you will find family, discover purpose, and change the world. We're so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will speak directly to your life through this message. Today, we are in part four of a teaching series that we're in that is titled The Honor Roll. The Honor Roll. Because whether you realize it or not, honor plays a part in so many different roles and areas of our life. And if we don't align with the principle of honor, we're missing out on benefits, we're missing out on God's blessing, we're missing out on God's protection because we're not honoring the simple things. We want to jump into the deep end of the pool when we don't even know how to swim yet. And one of the things that you find in the shallow end of the pool is the principle of honor. But the reason we have to talk and teach this is because we don't come into this world with honor in our heart. We come into this world as selfish as can be. First thing we do is cry when we come into this world because we want somebody to meet our needs. And we get hungry and we cry because we want our, our, our milk and we want our way and we don't want anybody to have our stuff. That's how we show up to this planet. We all showed up this way. I know you've been saved a little while and you're not me. Well, you may want to reevaluate. And so we have to be taught and it has to be put into our hearts to honor. And we don't get this principle from church. We get this principle from God. Because honor is a part of his very characteristic. And if we are going to be Christians, it should be our goal and our desire as much as we possibly can to strive to be like him. And that's why this conversation has taken place. And that's why we're here today to continue that. And I'm going to draw our attention to the book of Luke on this morning. Are y'all still, y'all still paper Bible saved? Or was that just last month? Okay. All right. I see, I see him. I see him. Proud of y'all. We are in Luke chapter 23. Um, I have the NLT. Uh, that's what I'll be reading from on today. Luke 23. That's the third um, gospel in your New Testament, third book in your New Testament, Luke 23, starting at verse 39. When you got it, say, I got it. If you don't have it, say, hold up. Not hold, hold. Hold up. All right. Luke 23, starting at verse 39, reads as so. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed. So you're the Messiah, are you? <laughs> Prove it by saving yourself and us too. Who was he thinking about himself? He's talking to Jesus and thinking of himself. How many of your prayers are like that? I'll continue. Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested. Don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die. Hmm. When was the last time you said that about yourself? 
because you know you deserve death, don't you? Just like I do. We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus replied, I assure you, today, you will be with me in paradise. Church, today I'm going to speak from the topic of honor among thieves. Honor among thieves. Let's pray. Lord, we invite you into this place because we know that the best place we could ever possibly be is in your presence. So, Father, as we sang, come into this room. Fill this room with your presence. Open up our hearts and our minds to receive what it is you want to communicate to us today. Father, I remove myself out of this equation so that you may have your way and you may talk to your people. And so we just ask you to do your thing. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Honor among thieves, two criminals, one savior. But it was two criminals. I think we love to insert ourselves into the narrative of the criminal that said, Lord, remember me. And that's fine as long as you don't forget the fact he was a criminal. There were two criminals next to our Savior. Now, one of them made the right decision and one of them made the wrong decision, but there were two criminals crucified with our Savior. <laughs> Sometimes we enter into the kingdom of God. We confess our sins and we surrender our life to him and we get on a team and we start returning our tithe and paying our offerings. And we start posting scriptures on social media and texting our friends. And we forget our criminality. And we start to look down on certain people based on our newfound or long ago found relationship with our Savior. But there were two criminals that were murdered next to our Savior. And I think the best remedy for dishonor is remembering how criminal we have been in our life. Now you're quiet because I know you don't think you're a criminal. You think, I've got this, I've got this church thing figured out. I've got this Christianity thing figured out. You don't know me like that. I'll be witnessing. I'll be praying for people. I'll be giving them the word of the Lord. That's cool. <laughs> but could you do it without him? How did you get in that position? To witness. To pray for people. Give them the word of the Lord. It was because you came in contact with the Savior, which means you needed saving. 
criminal. Did you forget? Did you forget how messed up, dirty, filthy, lost, shackled, stuck you were in life? And if I really wanted to be petty, I could ask you, how has life been on the other side of the cross? Because I bet it ain't been perfect. I bet there's been some criminal activity after the surrender. But we lose sight of that. And we think that we've achieved a certain stature in life, which causes dishonor to flow more freely in our hearts. Because we forgot how criminal we've been. Honor is the currency of heaven. It's how you transact in the kingdom of God. The more honor you have stored up in your account, it's just like money here on earth. The more options you have, the more opportunities you can engage in. But if your heavenly bank account is deficient of honor, please believe you have no business to attend to and transact with inside the kingdom of God. That's why we have to discuss honor in every area of our life. Honor is a tricky thing because it's sometimes in the natural sense dependent upon our vantage point, our viewpoint, what we hold as valuable. This, this uh, uh, past Friday, I was at the barbershop getting a haircut and there was a tremendous debate going on. Um, one uh, customer asked one barber, like, what's the most you ever paid for, for some shoes? And my barber was cutting my hair, and he was like, man, I don't pay more than 200 And I almost fell out the chair myself. Just like, how much? He said 200 you know. I was like, he was talking about, I don't know the shoe game like that, but I guess there's apps, right? And you can, you can, you can get as soon as shoes come out, certain ones, you can just boom, boom, I want them. And he said, if I can't get them right away for, for, for 200 or under, I'll just don't mess with it. And, 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 and people was going around like, 200? Nah, man, that's nothing. That's nothing. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, because your boys stay at the outlet store. I ain't even, I ain't got nothing. Not Nan app on my phone. I don't know what y'all talking about. <laughs> but then it got interesting. It got interesting, right? Because the conversation shifted a little bit and, and, and somebody made a joke. Um, about one of the other guys because he has these, he said, I know you ain't talking because you bought them ugly slippers. And so they started talking about these slippers. And, and, and again, this is above my head. This, this is above my pay grade. And so, and so I guess these slippers are super popular. They're called uh, uh, Marnie Calf Slides. Right? And so they got the, the, the fur on it, and, and, and everybody was like, yo, like, these is it. I was like, for real? Them? Is it? I was like, oh, man, yeah, okay, well, hey, you know. And then they told me the price, $895. And everybody thought that that was pretty normal. Like, yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you know, them, them, them Marnies. I'm like, who is Marnie? Who is he? 
Who is he? That he's charging you $895 for some slippers. But to, to, to the culture, these are valuable. So an elevated price makes sense because from my vantage point, I see these as valuable because of the name that's on them. Not because of the fur that's on them. I hope not. But because of the name, I see them. I esteem these ugly slippers. <laughs> as valuable. Because by definition, if we actually look at the definition of honor, it means to value, respect, or highly esteem. To treat as precious, weighty, or valuable. At the heart of honor, God is trying to turn your heart to look at his people as valuable, highly esteemed. He wants you to value people the way he values people. If he's your father and if you're his child. So we have to look at two things today. Who do we honor? And how do we honor? I want to just tell you up front, this is hard. Because we don't have this principle innate in us. It's going to take us becoming intentional about becoming Christ-like. I'm going to say it again. It's going to take us becoming intentional about becoming Christ-like. Because the process that we're in called sanctification, where each and every day and each and every moment we're becoming more like him, isn't accidental and it's not automatic. We have to do the work to go through this process. It's not enough to show up every Sunday. Please keep showing up. But just because you come and you sit and you listen doesn't sanctify you. That's why we're encouraged in our Bibles to not just be hearers of the word only, but to be doers also. Because that's where the power comes in. So who do we honor? First, we need to honor others. Who are others? Them. Who is them? All of them. <laughs> everybody that you can possibly think of and everybody that you come in contact with. People that you want to label as good and the people that you want to label as annoying. The people that you want to label as a lost cause the people that you want to label as evil. Why? Because everybody in each of those categories is an image, image bearer of God. He created all of them. And he loves all of them, even those criminals, like he loves you, criminal. 1 Peter 2 and 17 says it like this, honor everyone. Who's everyone? Everyone. Like in the, in the, in, in the Greek, everyone means everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. You know who Peter was talking about when he said honor the emperor? A Christian-hating king who made it his sport 
to kill Christians. He killed James, the brother of John. He almost killed Peter, the one who wrote this scripture. But the Holy Spirit had to intervene to get Peter supernaturally out of jail or else he would have been killed the next day. And yet Peter is still admonishing us to honor who we may deem as less than honorable. Why? Because honor is not about them. It's about us. This same verse in the message version says, treat everyone you meet with dignity. Everyone. Everyone. Like when you show up to work, everyone there deserves dignity. When you show up at Target, everyone there deserves dignity. When you show up on your street, when you show up at the restaurant and they mess up your food, come on, talk to me. Come on, you know you're hungry and they come and it's messed up and you got to send it back and now you're still hungry? You still got to be honorable. I told you up front it was going to be hard, but do you want to be like him or do you want to be like you? Y'all didn't even answer the question. Philippians. Two and three says it like this. Don't be selfish. Some of y'all just disqualified right there. Because that's who we come to the world as, selfish. And yet, the Apostle Paul is telling us, don't be selfish. Why would he tell us to don't be selfish? Because we tend to be selfish. And by the way, this letter was to church people. Wow, you mean Christians can be selfish? Yes, criminal. You can be selfish. Even when you don't recognize it, you can be selfish. That's why you have assigned seats at church. And you mad when somebody's in your seat. Hmm? It comes in all shapes and sizes, but it's still the same problem. Selfishness is in the way of honor. Selfishness is in the way of your protection. Selfishness is in the way of your provision. Selfishness is in the way of God's blessings over your life because it's blocking your ability to be honorable. It says, don't be selfish. And if you make it through that, did you make it through this? Don't try to impress others. Oh, come on. We only post highlight reels on Instagram. And then we find ourselves envious of everybody else's highlight reels. And it makes us feel unfulfilled in our real life. And what does that do? It pushes us to try to be impressive to others. Strangers. People we ain't talked to in real life in years. But because we want to be impressive to these strangers, we come online phony. Telling half the story. We come into the doors of the church, phony, only telling half the story. Why? Because in our heart, we want to, we want to impress others. The verse goes on to say, be humble, sit down. Wait, no, it don't say that. It says, be humble. I think I put that in there. In my notes, I put sit down. 
thinking of others as better than yourselves. Wait a minute now. It's not just enough to think of other people, but to think of them as better than you. Ooh, 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 don't that hurt? That hurts. They're not better than me. I've been saved longer. I got more scriptures memorized. But biblically speaking, the way to honor others is to think of them as better than you. Remember Jesus? He had to remind his disciples, right? This is God. Perfect in all of his ways. Then he still said, I didn't come here to be served. Now, if God didn't come to this earth to be served, why are you coming to this church to be served? Why are you showing up at your job to be served? At what point are you going to mimic your Savior and do the serving? If a perfect, sinless, flawless Jesus says, I didn't come here to serve, maybe we should adapt some of that into our heart as well. Why is it a struggle for you to volunteer to do anything if Jesus put his spirit inside of you? <laughs> Why is it so hard to surrender some time to check on one of these people to your left or to your right? Do you even know them? Can you name the person on your row? Probably not. Why? Because you selfish. You come in here looking for your blessing. You come in here looking for your breakthrough. And then as soon as we're done, you in the car. Because it's about you. You're not thinking of others as better than yourselves. I might need some keyboard because they're too quiet in here. We'll move on. Romans 12 and 10 says, love each other with genuine affection. Don't, don't be phony with it. <laughs> well, pastor said, I, I shouldn't get in the car, so let me, hey. <laughs> how are you? Okay, I, I said hi to somebody. No, no, no. Do it with genuine affection. Like you love them like Jesus loves them. That's how you have honor among thieves is remembering you're a thief too. Do it with genuine affection. Take delight in honoring each other. Like it shouldn't be a burden to open the door for somebody. It shouldn't be a burden to tell somebody, I'm going to pray for you this week. Like it shouldn't be a burden to then actually pray for them. Because we love to say praying for you. Praying hands emoji. Do you actually do it? Nope. Why? You're selfish. All your prayers are about you. If you pray at all. So number one, we honor others. Number two, this one's probably going to be tougher, is we honor authority. Did you know that that's a biblical principle? To honor those who have been placed over you. Romans 13, 1 and 2 says it like this. Everyone must submit to governing authorities. Paul wrote this in 
prison. Like he should have been mad at the governing authorities for doing what they did to him. But he's encouraging us to submit to governing authorities for all authority, not the authority in your political party. For all authority comes from God. Again, Paul wrote this while under the authority of an oppressive dictator. And he still says all authority comes from God. So the kind that feels good and the kind that doesn't comes from God because God is sovereign, meaning God does what he wants to do when he wants to do it with who he wants to do it with. And here it is, who he wants to do it through. Remember when Moses and Pharaoh were going back forth? God said, I raised Pharaoh up. I did it. (laughs) And we're called to honor whoever it is in authority. And those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. He's like, he's trying to help you understand. That whoever is an authority over you, whether you like them or not, whether it feels good or not, whether you are aligned or not, God put them there. So honor them. Honor doesn't mean agree. Honor doesn't mean receive abuse. Honor doesn't mean just conform. But it does mean that you don't dishonor. You can offer your rebuttals with honor. You can offer your disagreements with honor. You can suggest changes with honor. You don't have to turn into a dishonorable person in order to create change. So anyone who rebels against authority, and this is why you should not, is rebelling against what God has instituted. There's that reminder again that even if you didn't vote for this president, he put him there. Here's the part that you don't want me to say, and they will be punished. I'm not going to punish you. But God says when you move in this honor of the people that he placed over you, you will be punished. What does that tell us? That tells us that honor is for us, not them. Honor is to protect us, not promote them. Honor is for our good, not for their validation. Because we're in the kingdom, we have to follow the kingdom agenda. So who who falls under this? Well, number one is governmental authority. That was made clear in this last verse. Whoever is in authority politically It's who God placed there. Now, does that mean that you have to align with everything they believe? No, but but one of the ways that you can easily honor those that are in authority is to pray for them. Pray for your mayor, pray for your alderman, pray for your governor, pray for your president. By name. Why? Because God put them there and God said to honor them. Even if you didn't vote for them, even if their views are different than yours, your Bible tells you to honor them. So the next time you pray, don't just pray for you. Call out the names of your governmental officials. Why? 
Because the Bible tells us to. Is that good enough for you to do it? Because you're instructed to in the word of God. Number two, work and school authority. Your boss, they get on your last nerve. That teacher you can't stand. God says, honor them. Honor them. Follow the rules, follow the regulations, put them in your prayer time. Don't just say, Lord, let me pass the test. Lord, bless the test giver and the test taker. And let us all be blessed. Your boss deserves your prayers. Because God placed them there. Y'all don't like y'all boss, huh? Y'all so quiet. Ain't nobody say amen. I be praying for my boss. Nobody's praying for their boss. Y'all need some new jobs. Pray for your work and school authority. Next, family authority. Pray by name for people in your family. Mom and them, auntie and them, grandma and them, kids and them. That's a form of honor. Remember, wherever you place honor, you place the protection of God. They go together. So you should love them enough to at least call their name before Jesus. That's a form of honor. Even if y'all not speaking right now. Even if y'all don't have a strong relationship right now. You have a strong relationship with God. So use that strong relationship with God to bring honor to that person that you don't have a good relationship with on earth. And watch what happens to your life. Honor's not for them. I got to get that in you, criminal. That's why you look down at that other criminal because you forgot you a criminal. You're just a criminal that surrendered to a savior. But don't forget she was a criminal. Last one, spiritual authority. Don't start scrolling on your phones now. But when God places spiritual authority in your life, if he put in your heart that this is your church and me and my wife are your pastors, if he told you that, because we're not, we don't recruit. <laughs> okay. We just do what God called us to do and we let him speak to your heart about who you're supposed to submit to. Because here's what you need to know. You need to submit to somebody. If it ain't me, cool. Go submit somewhere. Because you're not supposed to be out here willy-nilly. I still don't know what that means, but I like the way it sounds. You're not supposed to be out here doing your own thing on your own spiritual journey with no covering. I know that's a debate online. I'm not getting into that. But what you need to know is spiritual authority is biblical. And whoever God has called you to submit to, submit. Because it's biblical. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 5 and 17, elders who do their work well should be respected and paid well. I know you don't like that last part. Because you like to focus on these little stories about crooks and criminals in the pulpit. Well, number one, we ain't that. <laughs> and number two, you shouldn't be focused on that. You should be focused on the word of God. And the Bible says we should be paid well. Is that what's on the screen? So it's not, it's not me trying to extract your money. It's me 
trying to teach you what the Bible says about honor. Because honor is not about them. Honor is about you. And when you follow the principle of honor in all these different roles in your life, God makes certain promises and provisions and protections for your life. So stop focusing on the wrong thing and focus on what God has instructed you to do. As a Christian, you should be focused on what God has instructed you to do. Do not question what God has instructed you to do. You can go on a journey for context and clarity and you can study the word of God to show yourself approved. But once you have done the work and you understand the scripture, execute. Stop second guessing what the word of God has said. So when you refuse to tithe or give offerings, you are antithetical to this scripture. Because your prayers don't show up as direct deposits for your spiritual leaders. Keep praying. Future give. Not because we need you to, but because God has instructed you to give and he has also provided blessings and promises in return. Are you with me? Are you offended? Because I read this scripture to you. I'll keep going. In case you were wondering who this verse was referring to, it says, especially. Huh? Somebody say, especially. Especially those who work hard. Let me tell you, my wife and I work hard. Seven days a week. While y'all sleep, while y'all awake, while y'all playing, we work. Because God called us. We ain't, listen, we ain't, we ain't mad about it. We love to do what God has called us to do. But you need to know your pastors are working. And it's not just us, to be clear, okay? We have a whole slew of volunteers that we call our dream team that beat us here on Sundays, that get this place ready for y'all on Sunday. Can we put our hands together for our dream team? They work hard. They work hard and they are deserving of honor. I said, they deserve our honor. So when a greeter says, hey, please sit, sit here, you'd be like, no, nah, I don't like that seat. This is my seat over here. That's dishonorable to spiritual authority. When you take your kids back there and we have policies and procedures and you try to circumvent the policies and procedures, that's dishonorable to spiritual authority. Honor happens here too. And not just to my wife and I, but to whoever. If you're on a team and you have a team lead, be honorable. If you are a team lead and you have team members, be honorable. Honor goes in every single direction up, down, left, right, all around. Was that the bankhead bounce? That was, a, it was an accident. It was a flashback. I'm sorry. It was a flashback. See, we all criminals. I'm trying to, I'm trying to bank head bounce in the pool pit. All right. So after we honor others, after we honor authority, number three is we honor parents. We, we, we touched on this, 
uh, uh, but it's worth noting again because uh, uh, God says that people who don't honor their parents should, should be put to death. I just feel like y'all should know this again, right? So Ephesians 6, 2 and 3 says, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. It comes with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have long life on the earth. Honor your parents because God has connected your honor of them to the ability for you to have longevity on this earth. Hello? Even that parent who, in your opinion, was not a great parent, you can still pray for them. You can still honor them to your heavenly father who has never let you down because he commanded you to and he has put a promise with it that if you do your life, I keep saying it until you get it. Honor is not for them. Honor is for your good. And if you honor your parents, you will have long life. Number four, honor marriage. Hebrews 13 and 4 says it like this. Give honor to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. God will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. 1 Peter 3 and 7 says it like this. In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are. That speaks to physical stature. But she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should. Why? So your prayers won't be hindered. Honor is about you. It's not about them. Husbands, if you don't honor your wife, don't worry about praying. That's what the Bible says. When you dishonor your wife, your prayers get hindered. There's something blocking your prayers from getting to him. And that something is dishonor. So be honorable, husbands to wives and wives to husbands. Because God has placed promises, provisions, and protections around your ability to be honorable in the confines of your marriage. Number five, we honor age. We like to think that we knew fresh, got, got new revelation. And, and my mom says like this, ain't nothing new under the sun. And so we like to just think that if we're in a certain age demographic, we're the ones that got the vision. We're the ones that got the fire. We're the ones that got the creativity. We're the ones that should be listened to. But if we're, if we're, if we're basing our life on what the Bible says, then we should honor every demographic that we have in our midst. Leviticus 19 and 32 says it like this. Stand up in the presence of the elderly. We, why are you dismissing the elderly they have way more knowledge than you do, way more experience than you do, way more wisdom than you do. One of the cheat codes to my life and the things that I've been able to accomplish is never stopping being astute. I am never not learning. I learn from books, but I learn from people too. My wife would tell you, I'll, I'll call somebody and ask, if I don't know something, look, I ain't gonna act like I do. I'm going to find somebody who's been down this road before and say, hey, what do I need to do? But we are trained, especially now, to be self-sufficient, self-made, hashtag self-made. Ain't nobody self-made. Let me just, as an entrepreneur myself, they be lying to y'all. I made myself. No, you didn't. If we look a little deeper under the hood, 
Somebody helped you along the way. And we could do ourselves a favor by being intentional about seeking the wisdom from those who have run races that we are trying to run right now. Job 12 and 12 says it like this. Wisdom belongs to the aged. Like that's where wisdom is. I know you think you are. I know it. I know you think you deep. I know it. But you still have a whole lot to learn. And a great source of wisdom is the aged. And we honor in this church every age demographic in this house. And we value in this church input from every age demographic in this house. Why? Because wisdom belongs to the age. Number six, honor church. Ooh, yeah. You know, 2020 made a lot of people devalue how important the church is. We thought, we thought, you know, we can, we can deepen our discipleship on our iPhone. Because I can go from this church to that church to that church every Sunday, thanks to technology. I don't need the church. The church is in me. What verse is that? Please show me that the church is in you. When I read the Bible, it says that, that you are a body part. That you are part of a body. You ain't the body. But the church is in my heart. I have a relationship. It's not about religion. It's about a relationship. What verse is that? sick of y'all. The Bible says, forsake not the assembling together. But the church is in my heart. I just, if, you go, if, you go, if you're a kingdom citizen, you got to have Bible for your stance. You can't just say anything because you saw it on social media. I mean, I know they got a blue check, but blue checks are for sale now. So you got to validate through the scripture, through the word of God, the inerrant truth that's found in the pages of your Bible. And your Bible tells you that the church is his bride. So why are you playing with his bride? Can somebody play with your bride? I know somebody can't play with my bride. You're going to see the other talent, the bankhead bouncing talent. And so what, how do you think God feels about his bride? If my criminal self feels that way about mine and your criminal self feels that way about yours, stop playing with the church. You need to see how valuable the church is for your life. You would be way more crazier than you are today had it not been for the church. You would be way more criminal today than you are had it not been for the church. I know the church ain't perfect, but the church saved your life and stop acting like it didn't. We are to honor the church. Romans 12 and 16, live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. Why does it say ordinary people? Because we think we extraordinary after we found Jesus. We think we superheroes. Because <laughs> we can prophesy. We think we superheroes. 
because we can intercede and use big words. Lord, throw your weight around in it. Like we get all deep with our prayers. We throw little churchisms in there. We got it all down to a science. And we start looking down on people. And the only reason you looking down is because you hanging from a cross, criminal. Stop forgetting it. Stop forgetting it. We were all lost without him. And now that we're found, we don't get to look down on the lost. And now that we're found, we don't get to look down on people who just got found and start judging them. Because we're a criminal too. And there should be honor among thieves. Colossians 3 and 13 makes that point like this. Make allowance for others' faults. You want them to show up to church perfect, but you didn't show up to church perfect. You want them to have all the little church rules and regulations that ain't in the Bible, but you want them to follow these rules, and you don't follow them. You barely read your Bible, but you're looking down. Mm. Mm. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. I know church hurt is real. I'm not denying it. Because the church is made up of people. Because the church is made up of criminals. But the Bible encourages us to forgive. Why? Because unforgiveness tears our life up. Unforgiveness, unforgiveness makes us make wrong decisions about the next person because of what the last person did. And then we don't see that the next person is the one with their blessing in, with the blessing in their hand. Yeah. Make allowance for each other's faults. Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, here it is, the Lord forgave you. So you must forgive others. Last one, honor God. Should be, should be easy. But do we? Malachi 1 and 6 says, the Lord of heaven's army says to the priests, because the priests were complaining. They thought they were entitled to the Lord coming and rescuing and helping them. They're like, Lord, where are you? These are priests. I said, these are priests. His response is, a son honors his father and a servant respects his master. If I am your father and master, where are the honor and respect I deserve? This is God talking. You have shown contempt for my name, but you ask, how have we ever shown contempt for your name? So you praying to God. You are in expectation of a breakthrough. You just know you're going to get the promotion. You just know you're going to get the job. But you're dishonorable to your parents. You don't give at church. You the one at work doing the most complaining. You stay being late. So you're dishonorable in all these other areas and you standing before God waiting for a breakthrough. And he's like, where is my honor? What's his honor? All of these instructions that we've been going over. 
When you decide in your heart, I'm not going to do that. You're dishonoring God because it's his word. It's his instructions. It's his command. And when we elect to step outside of what he has told us to do, we're, we're putting ourselves in the position of God. And then he responds, where's my honor? <laughs> Where are the honor and respect I deserve? Do yourself a favor. Be honorable to God by doing what God has told you to do. And you can't say you don't know because I told you the scripture and put it on the screen in big letters. So now you know what you're supposed to do. But what are you going to do with what you're supposed to do? So we've talked about who. Now, how do we do this? First thing, it's just three quick thoughts and then we're going to go. First thing we have to do is when we try to figure out how we honor, we honor by putting him first. We're saying, God, even these different areas that are tough, like I don't have the best relationship with my dad, or I don't have the best relationship with my boss, or I'm still going to decide to put you first. I'm not going to put my feelings first. I'm not going to put my history first. I'm not going to put my preferences first, but I'm going to put you first. This was not the place for you to be quiet. This was the place for you to say, amen. God, I'm going to put you first. I'm going to put you first in my marriage. I'm going to put you first in my parenting. I'm going to put you first in my vocation. I'm going to put you first in my business. I'm going to put you first in my political affiliations. I'm going to put you first in every area of my life. That's how we, that's how we, that's how we show honor. When we decide not to put culture first, but to put the kingdom first. Here's a test. Proverbs 3 and 9 says, honor the Lord with your wealth. Some of y'all tapped out right there. And with the best part, not the leftovers, with the best part of everything you produce, the message version says it like this, honor God with everything you own. Give him the first and the best. Not the last and the worst. The first and the best. Before we pay a bill, we send our money to this church. This church, before it pays the bills, sends a tithe out to different organizations around the world. The principle of the tithe is in operation in our house and in this house. I don't know about your house. But a way to get the honor principle moving in your finances is to honor God with the first and with the best. When you put God first above your preferences, when you make him a priority, you will have honor flowing throughout your life and throughout your world. Number two, we honor by our words. James 3 and 9 says, sometimes it praises our Lord, talking about your mouth, your mouth and father. And sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. Remember? Those people that are, we deem as unlovable, they're still image bearers of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. 
We honor with our words. When that person is around and when that person is not around, your words are being measured and accounted for in heaven. Are those words honorable or dishonorable? Let's look at Ephesians 4 and 29. Don't use foul or abusive language. I know y'all love to curse because y'all think it's culturally relevant and it makes you look cool. That goes back to trying to impress others. But my Bible says don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful. Y'all got quiet when I talk about cursing. Every time I say, let everything, that really deserves me. Let everything you say be good and helpful. Like, sit on that just for a second. <laughs> Let everything you say be good and helpful. Evaluate your own words. Like, when you get information, are you critical first? Are you judgmental first? Are you condemning first? Is there love anywhere in your words? I'm talking about genuine love. Because remember, this is heaven measuring it. And God doesn't look at the external. He looks at your heart. So the heart is the source of where your words came from. So if you took an evaluation of your word, what percentage would be life-giving and what percentage would be condemning? Because the Bible says, let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement, an encouragement. How much time have we spent in encouragement this week? Versus how many, how much time we spent in gossip this week? Versus how much time have we spent in condemnation this week? Versus how many hours and minutes and seconds have we given to being judgmental this week? Why? Because we forgot we are criminals and do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing you that you will be saved on the day of, of redemption. So we honor God by putting him first. We honor by our words. And last one, we honor by protecting them. Like, Nobody should be able to come around you and dishonor somebody you love and get away with it. Nobody should be able to come around you and dishonor someone who God has placed in authority over you and get away with it. Because we honor by protecting them. We don't let anybody, Ashley from the hood, so she, anytime somebody try to come against me, I just send Ashley. But they should not be able to get away with it, not because of who you are, but because your heavenly father has told you to do so. I'll prove it. John 7 and 18 says, those who speak for themselves want glory only for themselves. You will be invited on a consistent basis to be dishonorable at work, at church, in your family, online you will be continuously given an invitation to be dishonorable. And you're going to have to make a decision within yourself whether you're going to accept that invitation or not. You're going to have to remember, those who speak for themselves want glory 
The reason they brought that gossip to you is because they want glory for themselves. The reason these people make these outlandish, unfounded, unsubstantiated proclamations online is because they want glory for themselves. They're not trying to bring glory to him. They're trying to bring glory to themselves. But a person who seeks honor, the one who sent him speaks truth, not lies. Don't let nobody come around you and walk you into a season or a moment of dishonor. Because just like honor affects us, not them, dishonor affects us and not them. I'll close with this story. One of the uh, greatest baseball players of all time is Babe Ruth. He was the home run king for a long, long time before Barry Bonds uh, and um, a few others came and broke it. But for a very long time, it was Babe Ruth. And um, over his career, he signed, you know, probably hundreds of baseballs, uh, home run baseballs. But he only signed seven home run baseball bats. And so for a very long time, six of the seven were accounted for. But that seventh one was unaccounted for. It actually belonged to a gentleman and he got towards the end of his life and he didn't have any um, heirs to kind of pass this treasure on to. Uh, but toward the end of his life, he spent a lot of time in nursing care. And he had a particular nurse uh, named Marcia who took care of him for the end portion of his life. And so he decided that he was going to give this bat to her. Marcia don't know nothing about sports, <laughs> right? So she took it and she kept it, but, you know, she didn't, she didn't understand the value of it. So, like, she literally had it under her bed for 18 years. And then she got toward the end of her career as a nurse, and she decided to take her retirement because in her heart she had ambitions to open a restaurant. But she didn't have the money necessary to make it a reality. And so it dawned on her, like, I wonder, you know, if this, this bat, maybe I could get a little money for that. That could help go to that dream. And so she did some research and she found uh, a memorabilia dealer in her area. And she took it and she showed it to him. He was like, lady, this is this bat number seven. Like, there's only seven of these in existence and you got the last one. And so um, they put it up for auction and it sold for $1.3 million. So she opened the restaurant, but even after opening the restaurant, she still had plenty left over. And so she decided to take um, a good chunk of what was left over and she donated it to a uh, children's orphanage that was close to the heart of Babe Ruth when he was alive. And so she was interviewed and she was asked, why did she make such a substantial donation to that organization? And this was her response. She said, the bat was only valuable because Babe Ruth's name was on it. Since he made it valuable, the only reasonable thing I could do was something that would honor his life. 
she was basically saying like, if his signature wasn't on there, that bat probably would have only been worth like $20. But because his signature was on that bat, that's where the value came from. It went from being just a bat to a valuable treasure. I think the same thing can be said about people. If we realize that the signature of God is on that person's life, it's his signature that makes them valuable. I know on the outside they look like this or they have behaved like that, but if the signature of God is on their life, and let me let you in on a little secret, it is, then we, especially those of us who have surrendered to Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, then we should esteem these people as valuable. We should hold them in esteem. We should honor them, not because of anything they have done, but because the signature of God is on their life. May we not forget that we were hanging on a cross too, condemned to die before we confessed our sins to Jesus Christ. And he said to us, I assure you today that you will be with me in paradise. That's how we maintain honor among thieves. Thank you for joining us today. For more ways to stay connected, visit us at allnationsaurora.com. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your family and friends. Thanks for listening. Now go out and change the world.